0: Good afternoon, Times Square. You guys having a good day? Yeah, I'm super excited to be here with you. Uh, I'm gonna be teaching the Word of God, gonna be learning from the Word of God, hopefully, learning from the Word of God as I teach from the Word of God. Um, I'm Pastor Ryan Seaborn from uh, the Bible School of Times Square Church Summit, way out in Pennsylvania. It's an international Bible school around six continents come to our Bible school to learn the Word of God. And, and the goal is that they get to go back and, and be servants of Christ in their generation, in their in their uh, culture, um, in their neighborhoods. And um, Summit bears a lot of fruit around the world. And, and so we're just always grateful to have the opportunity to invest into our generation, my generation. And today I'm I'm here getting to teach you guys, just as I would teach our Bible school students, I'm here to Teach. And now, when I say the word teach, what I really mean is this I'm wanting to interpret the Word of God for you. And when I say to you for you to learn, the goal is that you're learning how to interpret your world through the lens of the Bible, right? So I'm wanting to interpret the Word of God for you. And as you learn, you're learning how to interpret the world that you're living in, your experience that you're living in, right? Um, and so as we go into the Bible today, our goal is this, God help me to interpret my world through your word, right? Um, so as Christians, that is our worldview. That's how we filter our experience. And so today, the teaching that I'm going to be providing with us is how do we find joy in our trials? Okay, how do we find joy in the center of our trials, And I'm going to be giving us some very good notes, so if you can, and if you have the opportunity to pull out notepad, your iPad, um, and a pen, uh, we're going to do some notes um, that's going to be very valuable for you to come back and to reflect on, okay? So um, finding joy in our trials, and the goal today is that we are learning to interpret our trials, right? For us to have joy in our trials, that means we need to interpret it through the Word of God. And so that's going to be our goal. So the first point I want to just sort of share with you is this, trials accompany the believer's journey, okay? Trials come alongside the believer's journey. Now, Jesus, the one that we follow, his very first parable that he came and taught his disciples is the parable of the sower and the seed, the seed and the sower. And and he's really given us an illustration by saying the word of God comes into the soil of humanity's heart. And then when that word comes into their heart, there's going to be different trials, different testings that's going to come against that word that was deposited within their heart. So Jesus himself said this, that, that, that trials are going to accompany a believer's journey, right? Some of these trials that Jesus presented was an attack of Satan, That was a trial. It was a testing that's going to come against Satan, or Satan's going to come against that word deposited into our heart as believers. He also talked about persecutions, hard seasons. He talked about good things. Jesus really gave a parable, and it was his very first parable to his disciples, of saying that as a believer on the journey of Christianity, trials are going to accompany your journey. But he also said these incredible words. He says, on the account of the word, are these things gonna come. On the account of the word of God, deposit it into your heart, trials are gonna come. Now, I'm also gonna do a little bit of a, a view of our father of the faith, Abraham. Okay, Abraham is called the father of our faith. And God gave him an incredible promise that, that pictures this exact same understanding that trials accompany of believers' journey. So here's Abraham out in the middle of Mesopotamia, just living in the center of this culture that was anti-God, or it was really atheism. It wasn't, it wasn't worshiping God, it had no knowledge of God, and God came and spoke to Abraham and basically said this, Abraham, I'm going to give you a new land, a new inheritance, but you must leave your family's way of doing things, you must leave your, your, your government's way of doing things, your culture's way of doing things, and come out and walk in this new land, this new inheritance that I'm promising to give you. So there was a promise given to Abraham, and he left that, and he started walking toward that promised land. But you know what happened to Abraham on the journey toward the promised land? Trials or problems. Let's call it that for a minute. Problems to the promises. All of the promises of God have problems. Or how about we could just call them trials? Promises have trials, right? So look, capture this. Abraham, his promise was, You're going to get a great inheritance. He comes into the promised land, and the very first thing that takes place is a famine, right? A dry season, an inability to provide. The provision for living in the inheritance. A famine came into the land. So what does he do? He goes back into Egypt or he goes into Egypt to look for help amongst the world for his provision, right? A problem came with his promise. But remember, Jesus told his disciples, look, the word of God is going to come into your heart. And you're going to get these promises from God. But then problems are going to start coming into your life or trials, Trials accompany the believer's life, right? And then all of a sudden, Abraham gets another promise from God, an incredible promise from God, and it goes like this. Abraham, I'm going to give you a seed or a a new lineage for humanity that's going to be a blessing to the world. It's going to be a completely different humanity that's going to come out of you. So two promises Abraham received. One is a new inheritance. Two is a new seed, a new humanity, a new birth line, right? But then a problem came to that promise as well, lifelessness. I'm not able to produce this promise that God gave to my life. I'm I'm finding weakness inside of myself to produce the promise that God gave me. Problems to the promises. Trials to the believer's journey. So as Christians, our goal in this teaching today is this. Understanding that we face trials. Many trials, but, big but, Christians are called to have a joy on these trials, an abiding joy. Now, what I mean by abiding is this, a constant joy in the midst of seasons of valleys and mountains, a constant joy. Where do we find this joy from? And that's what we're gonna begin to look at. So if you can, flip your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. Because we're going to follow along the teaching of Peter as he begins to write to Christians that are on the journey of their faith, but they begin to face the problems to all the promises that God has for them, okay? And and Peter gives a formula that we're going to follow along today that's going to help us to discover, how can I find the abiding joy in the midst of my trials or even temporal trials, okay? Okay. I'm going to read a few scripture verses here to us. The Old Testament tells us this. Delight yourself in the Lord, or find joy in the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Rejoice before the Lord our God in everything. In other words, the Old Testament is telling us this. As believers, find joy. you got to find joy. Jesus tells us this. Rejoice and leap for joy, for your reward is great in heaven. Christians have joy. He says, these things I've spoken to you so that your joy might be full. Christians, you're meant to have joy. Paul picks up on this theme and says, rejoice always in the Lord, and again, I say rejoice. Then he says this, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, right? And God loves a joyful giver or a cheerful giver, meaning this, Christianity is also a life of tremendous joy, So we have trials, and we have a calling to be joyful, and on this journey today, we're going to discover, how does Peter help us to discover, how do we have joy in the midst of our trials? So 1 Peter chapter 1, what begins to happen here is Peter is writing to a group of Christians that have faced persecution because of their faith in Jesus. Jesus. The word of God came into these Christians' hearts. Now they're facing persecution, which Jesus said they would face, right? So all of a sudden, it's almost like us today living in a society that is anti-Christianity, anti-Christ, in the school systems, in our work, in the government systems, and in many different areas of society, there is this pressure around a believer's heart because of the persecution of Christianity, and, and that's what Peter is writing to uh, of the Christians, is these are Christians facing persecution, okay? And now they're living in a place that is outside where they normally lived, so he called them aliens in the first few chapters, Okay. <clears throat> Um, and, and, and that really speaks to us of, 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 of being a people, of, of trying to discover what is this life we're meant to live in a world where we don't necessarily belong. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, okay, everybody go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, because we're going to see how Peter puts these two themes together, trials and joy. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, Peter says, In this, everybody say in this, in this this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you are going to be distressed by various trials. So Peter pulls these two themes that the Bible is mentioning concerning believers on our journey, he says, in this you must find joy, even though now for a little while you're going to be faced with various trials, various hard situations. Now, when I say the word trial, this is literally what I'm meaning by that. It's a time to learn the nature or quality of something. A season of testing or a season of trials It's for this. Let me restate that. It's a season to learn the nature or the quality of something by submitting it to various testings or examinations, okay? Um, So on a trial, what God is looking at is he's trying to test the quality. He's trying to test what is actually inside the nature of this person. But at the same time, what's happening to us during a testing is we're discovering the nature and the quality of God, right? There's two different testings that's actually taking place. And then I'm going to say one more definition that we're going forward in our teaching. When I say the word joy, this is what I mean. It's a state of feeling a great joy deep within the soul that is produced by the Holy Spirit. So when he says, in this you find joy, the biblical understanding of that word joy is this. It is a inner state of great joy or a completeness within our soul that is being produced by the Holy Spirit, okay? So Peter picks up and says this. In this, you find that joy, even though now for a little while, you're going to go through various testings of something testing the quality that is inside of you, which is the Word of God, okay? Are you guys with me on that so far? Say yes. Yes. All right. So Peter goes into an incredible teaching. An interpretation around us concerning our trials and where we find joy. And that's where we're going into our teaching right now. So 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to give us a lot of P titles. Capital P's, okay? And we're going to start off by saying this. Where do we find this joy? This joy that is deep within our soul that is produced by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start looking at this in verse 3. But number one, I'm going to say this. We find joy because of the promise of a great future. So watch what's going to begin to happen here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And if you'd like to highlight your Bible, I'm going to give you some places to underline. Chapter th- uh, 1, verse 3. Peter starts off by saying this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to dis- decipher. I'm going to dissect this word, or this section here, but that word blessed, I'm going to put the word P for praise. Peter starts off by saying this, blessed be the Lord and God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Peter is starting to write to these people that are facing trials and something begins to enter his heart to where all of a sudden he goes into a worship segment or into a praise segment. So When he says, in this you find joy, in this he's referencing what he just said, and verse three is where he starts off by saying this, praise be God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. So why is Peter telling us to have joy, number one, because we have something to praise about, okay? So that's number one of why we can have joy as believers or Christians, but let's continue to watch this because it's about to unpack and it gets incredible. So praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Why can we have joy in the center of our trials? Number one, we have someone to praise. We have something to praise him about. And what is that we have to praise him about? He begins to tell us he has caused us to be born again. Right, He has caused something from outside of our being, came into the inside of our being, and caused a new life to take place. Meaning we're no longer paying the penalty of our old life, but now we have a new life, which means this, we have a great future. So in the center of our trials of persecution, living in a world that hates Christ and and experiencing hardship on the daily, Paul or Peter is saying this, number one, we learn how to praise him for what he's done. Number two, we understand our new position in being born again, right? And as you begin to understand those things, a inner joy from the Holy Spirit begins to form out of our life. So number one is praise. Number two, because of our position, we have been born again. Let's continue to read this. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm gonna use that word through and say this. We have a new power. We have something to praise about. We now have a new position and now there's a new power operating inside of us. Okay, Blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. Who has caused me to be born again to a living hope. And now, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have something to praise about. We have a new position. We have a new power operating inside of us. Now let's continue to read this in number four. Peter's actually laying out this journey of Christianity. In verse four, he says this. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable undefiled, and will not fade away that is reserved in heaven for you. Now, look, guys, he just went from this. You have something to praise about, right? You have a new position. You have a new power. Now you have a new inheritance. He went straight from the born-again moment to your future inheritance in the heavens, right? It's almost like he skipped over this long thing called life. Right, We got born again, we have something to praise about, we have a new position, we got a new power, now we got a new inheritance in the heavens, but what about life? It's like Peter saying, I'm going from your born again state to what you need to be focusing on. Where is your perception? Right, The perception of the inheritance that the Father has given us. Think about this for a second. How many children give an inheritance to their father? Doesn't work that way. Fathers give an inheritance to their children. So what is your perception concerning your journey right now? You have something to praise about. You have a new position in the heavens. You have a new power operating inside of you. And now you have a perception that you have an inheritance that is right now reserved in heaven for you. That is imperishable. Will never fade away. God is keeping our inheritance for us in the heavens. Right. So Peter is saying this. I know you're going through trials, but here's how you're going to find your joy is focusing on everything that God is doing for you. He has yet to say what we're meant to do for God. Right. And I want to explain this to us, because in the center of our trials, they're real and they are hard. And sometimes we don't even know how to lift a hand. And God's not saying to you, lift your hand to do something. He's just saying, lift your hands because of your perception of who he is and what he's done for you, right? There is a constant joy that is created to be inside the believer's life because this is not our home, right? And look, it's not finished yet. The Holy Spirit is going to begin to produce a joy inside of those hearts that are going through trials. So look at verse 4. God is keeping us for, or he's keeping that inheritance for us. Now look at verse five. And now you are protected by the power of God through your faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look, guys, you have something to praise about, right? You have a new position in the heavens, right? You have a new power. You have a new perception. Now you have a new protection, right? As Christians, where are we finding our joy from? Because if I was to tell you right now that God has a protection for your life from the born again moment to your inheritance, there should be an eruption of joy knowing that God is protecting me, right? He's protecting my inheritance, but he's protecting me until I get there. The power of God, not the power of you, The power of God is protecting me to get to that inheritance. What is your perception viewing right now concerning your life with God and the trials that are around us? He is protecting us. Look at what it said there. We're being protected by the power of God. Our protection comes from who? The power of God. And he's protecting us by what? Our faith. Look, guys, this is going to become the core of what we're thinking about right now. God started this journey by our faith. He ends this journey by our faith, and he's going to protect you in the center by your faith. What is the most important thing to God? Your faith. I love the way that James says it. He says to build up your most holy faith. The most holy thing you have in your heart is your faith. And to look at the Greek word of the most holy faith, that word holy is only used one place in the entire Bible. The holy of holies. Capture that for a second. Why is God in love with your faith? Because that's where the holy of holies is able to dwell in your heart. That's where the Shekinah glory comes and dwells and fellowships with you. is through your faith. So what is God trying to protect in your life? Your faith. Is he trying to protect you from death? No. Death is the entrance to our inheritance. Right? So where is our theological concept concerning death? Because God is not trying to protect us from death. He's trying to protect your faith from dying. Is God trying to protect us from suffering? No. Is God trying to protect us from getting sick? Sick is usually the entrance to death. Death is usually the entrance to our inheritance. Right? Where's our theology concerning these trials that we experience? Is God trying to protect us from Satan? Ask Job. Right? Right? Hey, Satan, have you considered my righteous servant, Job? Right? Where, where, where's our theology concerning the trials we come into? Satan says, hey, God, I can't even touch him because of your protection. Right? But, but then God says, okay, I'll, re- I'll release some of that protection, but you can't t- touch certain areas of his life. And instantly... Within a matter of minutes, he goes and destroys everything that he had, right? If God removed our protection, how quick would Satan destroy everything in our life, right? Psalm 512 says this, that the righteous are covered with a shield of favor, right? A shield is what protects me from the enemy outside that shield, right? The righteous are covered with a shield of favor. Anything coming into my life, God has marked it with favor for your life, You understand that? You are being protected by the power of God, and God is not afraid of Satan. He's not afraid of suffering. He's not afraid of death. The bottom line, God is protecting you from unbelief. He is the author of your faith. He is the finisher of your faith, and he is the protector of your faith. And in the midst of that protection, he's going to cause your faith to grow, which is where trials come into the scene of the believers. You guys with me? All right, listen, listen, trials accompany the believer's journey, but Christianity is a life marked with joy unspeakable that this world cannot take away, and the goal is after Peter gets done teaching us today, we now have learned to interpret the world around us to where the world around us won't take away our joy, because Christ has done something so amazing in our life. Now let's keep going through this in 1 Peter. We see we have a protection. And in verse 6, he said these words. In this, you greatly rejoice. What is the in this? No, in this means everything I just said is where you're going to find your joy. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you are being distressed by various trials So that the proof of your faith, which is much more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, guys, watch. In our study, we're going to put a pause on verse 6 and 7. Let's jump to verse 8 for a moment, and we're going to keep walking this down and then come back to 6 and 7. Because everything around those two verses, what he's saying, in this you find your joy. Okay? Okay. So look at verse 8. Now watch how Peter is speaking to these persecuted Christians in their trials. Verse 8. And though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Let me ask you something. Have you seen Jesus? The physical Jesus? Neither had these early Christians that Peter was writing to, but this is what he said. Though you've never seen him, you believe in him, right? You have new senses inside of your spiritual life, which is helping you to govern the real life you live in with Christ. Though you've never seen him with your eyes, you believe in him with your heart, right? It's an incredible truth. And and guys, if you're believing in Christ, there should be a joy erupting in our hearts because I've never seen him, yet I believe in him. Watch what else he says. And though you do not see him now, you love him. There's a love in your heart for him. You trust him. You trust his words. You trust his counseling. And you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Look at verse nine. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Verse 10, Peter is still speaking about this is where you're gonna find your joy. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that will come to you made careful searches and, and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Now watch guys, this is awesome to me. He's already spoken to us individually of there is this this praise that you have with God now. There's a new position you have with God now. There's a new power that you have in your life. There's an inheritance that God is protecting you from. You have a new protection. You have these new senses that are working inside of your life. And then he says this, this life that you're living right now is precious. Let me read this again. Verse 10. As to your salvation, the preciousness of your salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that will come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating, as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Look at verse 12. But it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but were serving who? You. You. And these things which are now being announced to you. Now watch, guys. This is what I want us to see this. I want you to see how precious your life is. That even the righteous men of old, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Nehemiah, all of these Elisha, Elijah, as they sat down and began to write the scriptures that we hold on to right now, they began to write about the suffering Savior about the glories of Jesus. And all of a sudden, their heart began to say, who is this? I wanna know who this suffering Savior is. They sought to know what person and what time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating, but it was told to them that they're not serving themselves, but they're serving people that was going to live over 3,000 years later, that were going to be in the center of Times Square Church, going through trials, needing to know the preciousness of their life. And all of a sudden, when we read a verse like this, your heart becomes warm. Because you begin to see the preciousness of the life that you're living. Listen to what Isaiah said. Who has believed our message? Now remember, as he was writing this, he's longing to know who is this I'm writing about. But God told him, it's not for you to know. It's for people in 2019 who's going to be sitting in Times Square Church. Listen, he was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our grief he himself bore, our sorrow he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for all of us fell upon him and by the scourgings we became healed. All of us were like sheep becoming astray Each of us had turned to our own way, but the Lord caused him, caused the iniquity of all of us to fall upon him. And it's like Isaiah was saying, oh, God, righteous Isaiah was saying, God, I want to know who this is, the suffering servant who carried my iniquities. Isaiah, it's not for you. It's for you. You understand that? And that's why Peter says, you want to know where you're going to find joy joy in the center of your trials? Listen to the preciousness. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, they were carefully searching the scripture, seeking to know what person of time the spirit of Christ was indicating in them, as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that were followed. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but were serving you. That is the preciousness of this journey. Listen, guys, you want to know where to find your joy from? Go back and read Isaiah And know that that was for you, right? It's incredible. Now, I want to end this little moment here with, look at verse 12. So, uh, verse, yeah, let's do verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you and the things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you and by the Holy Spirit who is sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. That's incredible to me. That's still how precious it is that even the angels are watching your life because it's so amazing as God's protection, his position, the preciousness, the power, all of these things he's working into your life. And verse 13, now guys, watch. For those in the center of trials, he's not yet give one command except for find joy. See, only command he's given so far in 13 verses is find joy joy, but then he says all of these actions of God in our life, and here comes the second command, verse 13, and he says these words, therefore, with everything I just said, people facing trials, therefore, prepare your mind for action, stay sober in the spirit, and fix your hope completely on grace. Fix your hope on grace, those who are in trials. Gird your life for action, meaning get ready because your salvation is coming. Be ready for that end moment. And right now, fix your heart completely on grace. That's where you find joy. Are you guys with me? Okay, now watch, guys, because I don't want to lose us. This is a teaching. It's going to help us with interpreting our life around us. But there is a promise of a great future for us. Peter just unfolded it. But then he also says this. There is a purpose in your trial. Where are we going to find joy? The promise of the great future which he just unfolded. Secondly, it's because there's purpose in your trials right now. So let's go back up to verse 6. And let's see what Peter tells us concerning our trials. Verse 6. In everything I just said, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being much more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to dissect that for a moment. Why do I get the word there is purpose in our trial? In that word that is found in verse 6, it says this, if necessary. Peter said, if necessary, we will find various trials in our life. Who is determining if it's necessary? Is it Peter? Is it them? It's God. Now look, guys, I'm going to boldly say this. God is determining if it's necessary for us to go through trials. If he is determining for us to go through trials, that means there's a purpose in our trial. Which means we find joy in the promise of our great future, but also we find joy because there's a purpose in our trial today. You can find trial and a joy in both. If necessary. Listen to how Peter says it in chapter 3. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing right. If God wills it. He also says this in 419. For those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their soul to a faithful creator. Christian trials only happens if God wills it. Satan, have you considered my righteous church? The righteous, have you considered them? I can't even touch them, God. You got a protection around them of your favor. Okay, I'll allow you to touch areas of their life. You know what God's sitting there doing in the council of the heavens I want you all to see what faith is going to do and how faith will cause Job or the church to stand in the center of every single trial, right? Look at verse seven. There is a great purpose in our trial so that the proof of your faith may be found. It's really what it says there in verse seven. So there's a purpose in our trial, meaning if God terms it necessary, and second, there's a purpose in our trial so that the proof of our faith might be found. There's a purpose in your trial. Now look, guys, I, I, I know trials are hard, and I have dissected a lot around the promises that we have as Christians, the promise of a great future. But in the center of these trials What do we have to hold on to that allows us to keep that joy? I need you to know this. The trials have a purpose. And God, your loving creator, is all about protecting your faith, but also growing your faith. So he's going to allow trials to come. Well, what are these trials going to look like? Peter actually tells us. And I'm going to give these to you really quick, and this is where we're ending. Because he says there's five elements of how God designs your trials. So this is what God is doing sitting in the heavens determining if he's willing a trial to come upon our life. Here's the five characteristics of what these trials will look like. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7. So that the proof of your faith being much more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire may be found. So how is God designing your trial? What's the purpose of that design? Is so that your faith will be refined. Just as gold goes into this hot fire to get the iniquities out, what's happening in our life is this. God is allowing trials to come to refine our faith so we're not trusting in our own provision. So we're not trusting in our own popularities. So we're not trusting in our own identities and our, in our own abilities, right? He allows trials to come because he wants our faith to be refined and he wants it to grow to where that the only thing that is found in our life is faith in his Action for us, his provision for us, his identity for us, his protection for us, right? So the elements that God uses for our trials is number one, it's a refining trial. Number two, look at verse six. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So the second element that God uses to form our trials is they're different. Every trial is different looking. Some are personal related within your own life, not being able to live up to the standard you feel like you should be living. Some of them are personal areas of finding a struggle with getting into the word of God. Some of them are are, are personal struggles. Some of them are relational struggles with others. These are various trials that God allows to come on the believer's life so that our faith will ultimately grow in his faithfulness over our life. Some are family-related. Some are work-related. Look at verse 6. Here comes the third characteristic of our trial. Even though now for a little while. Say those words with me, little while. Ready? Little while. How many of you need that word today for your trial? <clears throat> yeah, we got some hands. Even though now for a little while. It's like the old-time saint says, my favorite Bible verse is, this shall pass. Right? Right? <clears throat> Your trials are brief. God is designing your trial to be refining. He's designing your trial with various trials, but also to be brief. Now, some of you are saying, uh, it's not been too brief, right? So that word brief is sort of relative. But watch, waiting for your tax return for 10 days is awesome, right? Only wait at 10 days to get my tax returns. That's awesome. Waiting 10 minutes for pizza in the microwave is horrible right geez 10 minutes takes forever right so brief is relative what's actually happening holding your breath for three minutes is incredible right that's awesome that's keeping a job for five years is it's not that good somebody said awesome but I mean it's not that good right so a little while is a relative term but watch Our life in this moment of history is like a vapor in comparison to eternity. Walk outside tonight and say a word and watch that vapor come out of your mouth and watch how quick it disappears. That's how brief our life is on the earth in comparison to eternity. So Peter says, God is designing trials for your life to refine your faith that are through various trials, but it is also brief trials. The last two is this, 1 Peter 1, 6. Now, all of these are in this first 13 verses. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Number four, I'm just going to say this. Your trials are distressing. They're painful. They do hurt. They are sorrowful. They do cause grief. They do cause offense in our life. And right now, as I say those things, you know that all of us have experienced these grieving trials, distressing trials. They're very painful. They're burdening. They're beyond our strength. They despair us even of life, right? They are despairing over our life. They're distressing. And so I don't want to remove that from our thought of God's designing of our trials. The last thing I'm going to end with is this. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7, the fifth characteristic of God designing our trials So that the proof of your faith, which is much more precious than gold, that is being tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Guys, you just have to see this. Your faith is being tested so that it will be found so that God has something to praise concerning you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the end of times, the entire humanity is going to be circled around the great judgment seat of God. And God is coming and he's going to begin to speak into all of our lives concerning the faith that we had in his son's ability to provide the new life and the new inheritance in our life. So how are you doing with that faith? If we can, if we can just have the worship team just go ahead and come out. How are you doing with that faith? Because Peter understands that your faith is also going to be tied into your joy concerning Christ's life for you. Finding joy in trials has to do with your faith in Christ. Now, I've given us a theological understanding of trials and how God shapes them, what God is looking for, which is our faith, and I've also showed us incredible life that God has given us all around our life but I'm going to ask you today how are you doing with that faith let's just stand for a moment because we're going to take a few minutes to experience the the joy that comes through faith now watch I'm going to give us a thought for how do I apply this daily into my life like how do I apply it right now when I'm facing trials that I don't even know how to lift my hands to do anything? How do I apply this tomorrow morning when I'm going into my workplace knowing how hard it is? I'm just gonna give us three things for applying this type of joy through our faith. Number one is surrender to God. In the center of your trial, we gotta to learn to just surrender to God. Your Father is all about your faith growing, and there is a purpose in our trials, so we learn to surrender in the center of our trials, right? We have to learn to surrender. God, I'm so ready to get outside of this trial. I'm so ready for this season to be over with. That is causing a frustration and a rubbing in my life. What God is saying is this. Just surrender. Because it's actually all about your joy and your faith in my son. That's going to be the endurance that I'm trying to build in your life. So surrender. Number one, what do we do daily in our trials? We surrender. Surrender to God. We surrender this thing over to him. Number two, we worship God, right? You worship him. You put on some Christian music, you go into your private place, you worship him. Look, my mother-in-law, they had a hurricane hit Panama City, Florida, destroyed everything, and it's been um, about a year and a half, little over that, and they've lost everything. They're, 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 they're living in their driveway right now. They've been there for over a year, and a, a distressing various trial has came her way. And about a week ago, I was telling her all my struggles, and and she told me and she reminded me, Ryan, every time we get like that, we go in worship. We just go in worship. What are we doing in worship? Blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused me to be born again. I'm remembering his great promises for my life because of his resurrection power that is coming through Jesus Christ, right? We come like Peter and just say, Praise the Lord. O soul, bless God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who has forgiven all my iniquities and healed all of my sins. Bless your name, remembering what he's done. So you surrender in your trial and you begin to worship him in your trial. And the last thing is this, you just meditate on the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 13, the word of God is all about God doing something for our life and us finding joy and his actions for us. Meditate upon it. So we're gonna go into a time of worship, and and, and I'm just gonna ask anybody that is going through a trial. These altars are open, but also in your seat. Today, you just begin to surrender. You surrender it to God. God, this has been a long trial, or this has been a brief trial, but it's caused a lot of frustration, and I don't even know what to do. Like, I don't know how to go another day I feel like Paul who has said, we have come to the line of death. And I just pray right now, Jesus, for every person that is in this room that is facing trials, that you help their hearts to surrender, knowing that this trial is purposeful, it's necessary, and you've termed it as necessary. But Father, I pray that you also help them not to stay in that place, but actually begin to worship you. Because God, You want a joy to be produced in our life by the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now, Father, for that type of joy that only the Holy Spirit can produce. As there is a surrendered heart, a heart that is worshiping you and a heart that is meditating upon your love for us, your life for us, your protection for us, God. I pray for the supernatural joy of the Holy Spirit, God. Not goosebumps. God, I pray for the inner soul to rejoice of the Holy Spirit, knowing that God has chosen them, God has redeemed them, God is giving them a place in the heavens, God is protecting them right now, and God has a life that is gonna produce faith to bring glory and honor to his name. God, I pray that there would be an inner joy, God, to come back into your people right now, God. Lord, that those who are going through trials, God, that they can lift their arms one more time and come to the place like Peter and just say, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Look, if there's a person in this room that you have failed God too many times and it's hard for you to even lift your hand, no, Peter, he denied Jesus three times, right? He fell to the water, even looking at Jesus. And this is who is writing this story, teaching us how to find joy. You have not gone too far away from God. All I want to say to you, whoever you are, is just lift up your hands and just begin to say, bless your name. It's about your victory, not mine. It's about your strength, not my strength. It's about your help, not my service. It's about you, God. I bless you, God. I surrender my life back to you, and I pray for the Holy Spirit to come into my life, God, and do what only you can do, but all I know to do right now is just surrender and worship and meditate upon you. So trials accompany the Christian's life, right? Trials accompany our life, but joy is supposed to be steadfast and we find joy in this, everything God has done for us, right? Everything God has done for us. Now we might say that's too simple, but no, it's not, right? Who are we if God didn't step into our life? We were loving the king of the darkness until he called us. Peter was fishing caring about his own life and he heard a voice that said hey Peter come and follow me something outside of him came inside of him and produced a power to start following him and God had a plan for Peter's life to come and to be a new fisher of men and to receive this new inheritance but along this journey he faced many trials many trials and in every one of them he found the faithfulness of God to pick him up every time his faith was growing every time right? His faith was growing every time that it's all about his victory. Every time. So for your life today, remember you find joy in this, the promises of God and your great future. And you also find joy in this. There is a purpose in your trials. He's producing faith. He's refining us. He's refining us. I love the thought. Pastor William Carroll told me this thought one day about the sycamore trees. Uh, I think it's the sycamore trees. It's the trees out in California, the largest trees, um, the, the sequoia trees out in California, biggest trees in America, that these seeds from the tree fall into the ground, but they cannot reproduce because the outer shell is so hard. They can't reproduce. And these great forest fires come across California where many many people might say, oh, how bad it is that these fires come and destroy these incredible sequoia trees. But you know what happens is that that seed is not able to reproduce unless that fire comes. And when it comes, it starts to melt off that outer shell and it can go into the ground and reproduce, right? And then those trees bring up the next generation of seeds of the largest trees that people can find shade under, right? So look, your faith is being reproduced through your fire, right? There's purpose in our trials. So find joy. Just learn to have joy. Learn to have joy because of your future and learn to have joy because of your present purpose, right? Father, we just thank you for this moment, God. We thank you for the life of Peter that you have revealed to him our journey, God, of where we find joy from, God. You're gonna cause us to always come back to a place of surrender, of worship, and meditating upon your word, God. And I pray for every person that's in this room and that's watching this live, God, that's facing trials, God. I pray today, God, that you might not take the trial away because that trial has a timetable to it. But I pray right now in the midst of it, God, they surrender. They find joy in surrendering. They find a sweetness in surrendering, God. I pray that they find your presence in surrendering. God, that they just find your gentle hands in their surrender, God. Lord, that they just find a place of of coming down and just saying, I'm going to surrender surrender to you because you have a purpose and I'm going to praise you and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to find my strength in your life. I'm going to find my purpose and your provision for my life, God. I don't care if it's now or if it's 10 years from now, God, I trust you. You are the great almighty God that has given the greatest payment of heaven for my soul. So I trust you today, Father. And in the midst of this, God, let us be reproducers of our faith. And I pray that over the people in this altar and the people that are responding right now, let their faith be reproduced. But Holy Spirit, you must come right now and solidify that deep joy that this world will never take away. We love you, Father, for this. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Guys, that is the word of God. That is an interpretation of the world we live in as Christians.